Welcome again to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission to help you focus on Christ. Hey, John, last time we were together, uh, we were talking about the prodigal son. And I think I mentioned Luke 15 and the two other parables that Jesus told in that uh, chapter. And uh, you've kind of done a little bit of study after uh, we finished that and uh, had some brilliant things, I thought, um, to share about the prodigal and especially the lost coin. And uh, I thought we would refocus on that, retouch that a little bit. And uh, why don't you just start us out today with uh, some of the things that you gleaned from the scripture from your study? Well, I I can't take credit for doing the the study so much because it was more of just chewing on it, thinking about it. Um, And there's times when, you know, I pray that God would speak to me. And and I don't mean I'm waiting for an audible voice and a light shining down from heaven, but an inspiration and uh, some wisdom. And I I really feel like uh, the Holy Spirit was giving that to me as I'm chewing on this stuff because... Each time I hear a sermon about these things, these stories, it's usually like a, here's a snippet, here's a snippet, here's a snippet. And so you hear a sermon about the, the, the lost sheep, and then you'll hear a sermon about um, the prodigal son. And then they might mention the, the woman and the lost coin. Right. But um, that's, that's kind of how it plays out. Well, I got to thinking because we're talking last time about the prodigal son and especially the fact that Jesus is directing this toward the, the scribes and Pharisees because these teachers of the law were ridiculing him because he was receiving sinners and eating with them. And so then Jesus tells these three stories. The first one is about the lost lamb. And he says, you know, who among you, basically, if you're a shepherd and you you lose a lamb, in other words, an innocent lamb wanders off, aren't you going to leave the 99 sheep in the fold and go find the one that's lost? And I, I picture all of them kind of nodding and understanding because in that culture and in that time period, that's exactly what they would have done. Every one of them would have left the 99 in the fold gone out and found that lost sheep. Then he tells the story about the lost coin. And this is one that we, we so often gloss over. And I remember uh, as a kid uh, thinking, what's the big deal about a lost <laughs> coin? I mean, you lose a coin. Okay. Yeah. I lost some money. And then I, I, I'm, I'm looking up some stuff on that and people say, Oh, you know, well, one coin was a big deal because uh, they were poor and, It's got to be more to the story. Okay, so anyway, I'm just going to read the little clip here for you. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together I mean, who does that? You lose a coin and hey, have a party. I lost my quarter. Come <laughs> and then here spend, and celebrate. spend it, 10 times the amount that it, the coin is worth for a big party. It, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> it, that just didn't make sense to me. It's got to be something more. So she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what was the deal with the coins? Everyone relates to this story because the groom would give his bride 10 silver coins. 
Now, these might have a family symbol or something on it, but these were a gift from him to her. And it's, it's in a sense, like an engagement type ah. ring. She'd wear these uh, in her wedding and then she'd cherish these forever. And I don't know if this was a young woman. I don't know if she was a widow. But to the folks hearing the story, it didn't matter because they knew what these 10 coins meant. And they knew mm. what they, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like I lost my engagement ring. You know, that, that, that's, that's kind of what the story would be today. A woman, a woman loses her engagement. Big ring. deal. Right. Big deal. She finds it. Yeah. She's going to call her friends and, you know, do some selfies and, you know, <laughs> celebrate because she found her engagement ring. That's kind of what this story is like. And so my point was that the teachers of the law who are listening to this, they're understanding the first story. They're understanding the second story. They get it. They get along with that. Then comes the third story. But even in the second story, yeah. before you go there, yeah, yeah. Uh, how important is that one lost sinner? Yeah. You know, we think, uh, well, one person in the midst of multitudes of people. What, what is that one person worth? But I think the scripture is pretty uh, secure in telling us that one person is really important to God. Whether it's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Right? right? Where Philip was in a revival meeting and comes for one person? Right. Or whether it was just one coin? Go ahead. Right. No, no, it's good. To... I'm glad you said it, Jack, because it brought up another thought that, okay. that, that I was stewing on. And that is, you know, we're talking about a lost sheep. We're talking about a lost coin. We're talking about this brother. Um, you could relate this on a deeper level because think of a family who's lost a child. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that in my experience as a doctor, there is not a deeper hurt right. that I have ever encountered in a patient than losing a child. Amen. Um, and if that's where you are, uh, you have all my empathy uh, because that is a deep, deep hurt. John, the depth of that, and just so I can let me interject. When I was um, a young man with a young young son, five long, months long, old, long time, long ago. time ago, five a <laughs> long long time ago, uh, but my son was five months old, and yeah. he's like forty seven now. <laughs> so yeah. When he was five months old, uh, my grandmother passed away, and uh, he, we were in Red Key, Indiana, and uh, my great grandfather was ninety eight years old, and I will never forget at that funeral service. My 98-year-old grandfather walking up to that coffin, that casket, and looking down at his daughter, right, who was like 78, 79 years old, and weeping and saying, you're just not supposed to lose your child. And so he knew the pain at 98 years old of losing a child. And I wondered how even more... uh, difficult is it for a young parent to lose a young child? Anyway, yeah. just, it is uh, painful no matter how old you are, what to lose a child is one of those painful things you can experience, I think. Now I want you to imagine the joy if that child was restored. If, oh, that, yeah. if that child came back. Hmm. That's what we're talking about. When Jesus confronts the teachers of the law, and he basically is telling them, hey, you guys are the older brother here, because, you know, the older brother didn't even come in for the party. 
He's out in the field. Jealous. He's out in the field. And what does the father do? The father leaves the celebration and goes out to the older brother and says, hmm. you know, why, why don't you come in and mm-hmm. join us? And the older brother says, yeah, I've served you my whole life and you've never even given me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. Now, the, the thing of it is he, he, in his mind, in the teachers of the law's mind, he's comparing the brother to not the brother to a goat, but the, the fatted calf to the goat. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what this father is talking about. He's talking about his son. And what are the last lines of that parable? He says, my son was lost and is found. My son was dead and wow. now he's alive. Wow. Spiritual death. Spiritually yeah. dead is probably worse than yeah. physical death. So he really knew loss. And, and so the other piece of this is we're not complete until we're all together. Okay. There's nothing that fills that void. People will say, oh, you've got to move on. It's time to move on. It's been how many years? You, you've got to move on. It's time to get over this. You don't get over that. You do not get over that kind of loss. That's the kind of loss that our Savior is talking about when he's talking about you. If you're a wandering soul, if you're a lost soul, if you're not in the fold, if you're not filling that set of 10 coins and making it complete, if you are not filling that emptiness in the family. And that's the other thing he's saying in these in the story is you complete us, you know, that, that 100th sheep completes the herd, completes the flock. That 10th coin completes the set and that lost son completes the family. You know, I think sometimes uh, we as human beings uh, think about a physical loss of a loved one as being the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's really not true. Uh, The worst thing that could happen is if you lose a loved one and they don't know Christ. If they haven't been born again, if they don't have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I, I have a story. Um, one of the finest men I've ever known uh, was a part of the church ministry in uh, Kansas. And uh, his father was very, very ill with cancer. And he was in the hospital. And so this young man called me one day and said, uh, Jack, I want you to meet me at the hospital I want you to talk to my dad about Jesus and share the gospel with him. I said, I'd be glad to do that. So I met him there and went in and met his dad, shared the gospel with his dad and uh, got to the decision part and presented that decision. His dad basically said, yeah, I I understand that, but uh, no, that's not what I want to do. And so the next day, the young man called me again and he said, Jack, I want you to meet me at the hospital. I want you to talk to my dad again. And so I met him at the hospital again, went in and started at the point that I'd left off with and heartfelt, tried to tell stories, tried to relate to this man about what Christ had done for him. And once again, presented the decision. He said, no, Uh, went home. The next day I got a call from this young man. He said, Jack, I want you to meet me at the hospital. And I said, nope, not going to go, not going to meet you there. And he said, why? You're the pastor. Why won't you be? I said, because I don't think that it's my task to share the gospel with your father, I think it's yours. And I said, you tell him the story. You talk to your dad. Now, you've told me this story before, Jack, and I just want to interject. That's not a cop-out. 
No. He's not trying to bail on this young man. I think that's the spirit telling you that this man wants to hear it from you. And it's that son's responsibility. He knows his dad the most. He can, you know, he can, and his dad would be affected by his son. And he was because his son uh, went that day. I don't know what he said. I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. All I know is he called me absolutely elated, laughing, crying. Dad accepted Christ today. He placed his hope and faith in Jesus. And uh, the end of the story is amazing. His father died a week later, but with the hope of heaven and eternal life. And his whole attitude, his whole heart changed. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. So uh, to understand the spiritual life that his father had through his faith in Christ that made his death uh, livable, uh, even, even joyful that he was then ushered into the glory of God. Um, we're all going to die. Right. Um, but we, we have to come to life in Christ so that our death is uh, hope and we're filled with hope in it. So I think uh, that's the thing to go back to the prodigal son or the lost coin or anything. To have that party is to, to understand that when the sinner comes home, that there is rejoicing and when a sinner goes home to heaven, there is once again rejoicing. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes home. Yeah. And I think there's a party in heaven yeah. when we're ushered into it, maybe. It, curiously, <laughs> uh, it's the only thing in the Bible that we're told the angels rejoice. Rejoice over. about, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, kind yeah. of amazing that, uh, that the, the angels rejoice when a sinner a lost sinner comes home. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I would share, and I don't know if this is even in line with what we're talking about here, but uh, I think we as Christians have a responsibility uh, to share the gospel with people. Uh, the responsibility is not uh, to always like go through all the illustrations and the scriptures and the transitional phrases and the decision, but I think every day uh, we should share the gospel with someone just simply like, uh, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and he loves you and, and he's coming back again. And if you put your faith in him, he'll come and uh, he'll take you to be in heaven with him. Uh, share that sometime just with someone uh, in your day. Someone. Right. Doesn't matter who, really, the, the waitress, mom, whoever needs to hear it, right? The other thing is don't share any stumbling blocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, I've heard a lot of people use flowery words and, and speak really well and give deliver a good message, but I'm telling you, if you're not treating the cashier right, yeah, or, you know, I see. Or, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and uh, people say, oh, you need to act certain. No, you shouldn't act a certain way. You need to internalize, and this is the way that you are. Um, if, if all we're doing is is trying to act a certain way, or or you know, force ourselves to do the right things. I mean, nobody has to force an apple tree to grow apples. It grows apples. So the fruit that you express in your life, or that we express. It needs to come from who we are. And if right. we're not reflecting that, that kind Amen. of fruit, maybe we need to examine who we are. Jack, I want to do something today. And, and I just feel like we need to pray for, for you, our listeners. We need to pray for your family members 
uh, or for you, if you're that lost sheep or that coin that's not completing the set, or if you are that lost son, or if you're the older brother. You know, before we do that prayer, what, what I just thought was in my life, I always viewed myself when I read the scripture as the good guy. And I think sometimes we as so-called Christians, and I say so-called because sometimes I think we, we uh, nobody thinks they're going to hell. Mm. Everybody thinks if, if the line of heaven is right here, I may be right there, but I'm going to heaven. I don't think very many people really believe they're going to go to hell. I don't believe it's just rough, you know, for people to think that anyone uh, would go to hell, that, that God would not bring everyone to heaven. But it's true. The Bible says there are some people that are not faithful. And so when I began to read the scripture, read the Psalms, for instance, and see myself as the enemy instead of the good guy or read the scripture in Matthew 23, where he's saying, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. You're like whited sepulchers. You're looking good on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. When I saw myself as the Pharisee, God broke my spirit. He broke my heart. And I realized that if I'm going to be God's son, then I need to be faithful to him. I need to uh, surrender my all to him. I need to commit myself to Christ. I need to confess him as Lord and then live my life based on that confession. And uh, But it took me seeing myself as the lost one in order to be saved. And so that's what I would just share uh, today. Uh, let God show you yourself. And when you see yourself and you see your sin, and when you are broken over that, then you come to Christ and then he changes you forever and ever. And then uh, then everything is different. Death is different. Life is different because now you're filled with the spirit of God. And now, you know, you're his sheep. You're you're his coin. You're his son. Amen. And he wants you to come home. So now, did you want no, to pray? I or? That. You know what, Jack? Would you mind to pray? I would love to pray. I got to tell you, here's the thing. This is why I'm asking Jack to pray. I love to hear him. <laughs> I talk too much. It's your turn. You're you a good pray. friend. All right. We're going to close this out with prayer, and then you're going to yeah. kind of finish it out. Okay. All right. If you wouldn't mind, uh, just go to an attitude of prayer for a moment. Father in heaven, it is just so good to be able to call you Father. And we take that for granted sometimes. But uh, Jesus taught us that. He, he said to the, as an answer to the disciples that came and said, teach us to pray. He started by saying, our Father, who art in heaven. And I pray, Father, that you will help me to be a son and help these people who are listening, all of us, to be a daughter, a son that is faithful and loving to you. And when we fail, that we will be willing and able to just open our hearts to you and come to you and to receive uh, the fatherly discipline and the fatherly acceptance and the fatherly love that you offer to each one of us today. Help us to see ourselves as we really are. Reveal to us what we need. And Father, help us to seek that in you and to find it. And when we do to honor and to glorify you with our lives and even through our death. And Father, may we look forward to the time 
that you will bring us into your presence. We will be like you and we will glorify and worship you eternally. Father, help that to be in our hearts and in our minds that when we suffer, when we struggle, when we feel guilty, when we make mistakes, that we will come to you with a heartfelt repentance and commitment to be what you want us to be and to share what you make us into with someone else, that we all might have the hope one day of gathering together to worship you forever and ever in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I have nothing else to add. I really don't. I feel like we all have a place in those stories. And sometimes we're the lost son. Sometimes we're the Pharisee. Um, We have a tendency to look at ourselves uh, and find our flaws. We look in the mirror and say, ooh, this isn't quite right. What's going on there? And um, But when Jesus looks at us, it's like he's looking in the mirror and seeing himself. Amen. Amen. Um, because we're part of his family. We belong with him. He wants us to be there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we ought to thank some other people, too. Thanks for reminding me, Jack. <laughs> um, we've got some people we need to really thank. First of all, the guy behind that that camera behind the audio equipment. A true friend. Mike Bridgewater. Good Thank man. you so much. And it's not just recording, but he chops that stuff up. He edits all of our little mistakes. I mean, Jack was picking his nose and he cuts that part <laughs> out. Um, Mike, you do a great job and thank you so much. Uh, the little bit of music that you hear at the beginning, um, we call that a bumper. I didn't even know that was a thing. Best yeah. music guy yeah. on the planet. J.D. Miller. J.D. Miller. J.D. Miller. Thank you so much. Amen, brother. And then right here, this little space that we've got, um, Mount Gilead. Christian Thanks. Church. Yes. Great church. Yes. If you're around this area, Try it out. So thank you. And thanks for watching. Remember jackandjohnpodcast.com and please email us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear from us, what you don't want to hear from us. <laughs> Wear a different shirt, you know, whatever it is. Connect. <laughs> a different shirt. Yeah, there you, you go. You need a different need shirt. <laughs> Connect to Jack and John I think John is a child com. of the 70s with his yeah. shirt today. <laughs> it's, like, it's spring. We're going to wear flowers. Sorry. God bless you. I hope you'll tune in again next week.